right. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, I thank you for bringing us here again where we can study your word. Um, I pray that today's story um, and your message will be um, what we need for right now and we will be practical um, and will help us in our in our week's journey this coming week. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So before we get into um, the Bible, what do you guys know um, or what do you guys think the meaning of the word admire is? Admire. What does admire mean? Um, when you respect or something that you have a warmth towards almost. Okay. That's a, that's a good definition. Anyone else? Mm. What does admire mean? It's sort of like um, what Michael just said about respect. It's like you look at something and you, really, you think, yeah, that's something that's good. I want to be like that. Cool. Right. I want to be like that. Yeah. Cool. Mm. That's what I wanted to get to. Cool. Right. Um, all right. Who are some of the people that we admire or that you admire? I think like could be famous, could be non-famous, but who, who do you, who do you look at and be like, yeah, I admire them. Chance the rapper. Chance the rapper. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Why? Oh. Proper family man. I wasn't ready, man. that's why. <laughs> He's ah. a family man. Cool. Jeff Boaz. Cool. All right. Who, why? For what he's achieved. Hi, yeah, guys. I've just logged on and I'm seeing this beautiful meme, um, which is just a really, really good way to start. I just want to say it's, it's good to be here. Happy Sabbath. Cool. Happy Sabbath. Ruben, who do you admire? Just say me. It's all right. Denzel Washington. Denzel. Right? Why, why do you admire Denzel? I've not seen a bad movie with Denzel. <laughs> you have not seen a bad... You have not seen a bad movie with Denzel. Therefore, he deserves your admiration. Right? Okay, cool. <laughs> We're going to go to um, Acts chapter 19. And we're going to look at someone who's getting a lot of admiration and the uh, the result of that. Right, this is a story that um, I had already studied before, actually. So it was it was quite an interesting one. So let's get to Acts chapter nineteen, um, and we're going to start reading from verse eleven. But before then, we're going to get some context. All right, mm. so. What's going on at this point in chapter Acts chapter 19? Where's Paul? Um, he's in Ephesus, I think. He is in, he is in Ephesus. Uh, what is the major problem in Ephesus? They lack the gift of the Holy Spirit? Yeah. But there's actually something like 
like tangibly wrong like something's actually happening like the people are doing some nonsense and something is happening as a result of it do we know what that is say the question again sorry so in ephesus Mm -hmm. like there's a problem like there's rampant in ephesus right and and paul is there what is the problem that they're dealing with and what is happening because of the problem that they're dealing with If you don't know, it's cool. We'll go for it. But just if anyone, if anyone knows, mm. no. Okay, cool. What's happening in Ephesus right now, right, is witchcraft, right? Witchcraft, magic, all these kind of things are happening in Ephesus, right? It's quite a, quite a um, spiritual spiritualism kind of place at this point right Ephesus quite heathen and because of that there's a lot of demon possession right so demon possession in Ephesus is rampant right going on everywhere yeah and now Paul we meet Paul he's in Ephesus obviously you know Paul is one of, if not the greatest uh, missionary outside of Jesus that we've seen. And so Paul has come to Ephesus to, you know, spread the word of Jesus in Ephesus, where there is witchcraft, where there is divinations and all this kind of thing, and therefore a lot of um, demon possession. All right. So let's read from, let's read the whole passage. So we're going to read from chapter 19, verses 11 to 20. Um, and let's go through it and then we'll come back and go verse by verse as we usually do. So from, um, from Acts chapter 19, from verse 11 to verse 20. We could do um, two verses each. And God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul, so that from his body were brought unto the sick hand, handkerchiefs or aprons, and the diseases departed from them, and the evil spirits went out of them. Then certain of the vagabond Jews, extortionists, took upon them to call over them which had evil spirits, the name of the Lord Jesus, saying, We adjure you, by Jesus, whom Paul preacheth. And there were seven sons of one Sceva, a Jew, and chief of the priests, which did so. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus, I know, and Paul I know, but who are ye? Then the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them, overpowered them, and prevailed against them, so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. And this was known to all the Jews and Greeks also dwelling at Ephesus. And fear fell on them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. And many that believed came and confessed and showed their deeds. Last two verses. 
Many of them also, which used curious arts, brought their books together and burned them before all men. And they counted the price of them and found it 50,000 pieces of silver. So mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. Cool. All right. So this is the story that we're dealing with now. And hence why you may look at the, the meme that is on, um, on the screen. Excuse me, do I know you? You can understand now the context in which that is, that is given for it. So let's start from verse um, from verse 11 and 12, right? So what, what do we know about Paul right now? He's doing the work at the moment. He's doing what God has sent him to be doing. And it's having more of an effect because he's not preaching as if just to the Jews, but he's including everyone in this at the moment. Cool. Well... You're right, Daniel, but it's a bit more than what you're saying. Like, right, let's, let's put this in its proper context. What is actually happening? Miracles. So I was saying, like, miracles are happening in an unusual way, not in, like, yeah. Not in a planned way. Right. Let me, let me, let me, let me break this down, right? Paul would be preaching let's say and you know he's getting into his preaching so much so that you know he's sweating so he would take a handkerchief and wipe his sweat off his face they would then take the handkerchief from Paul and go and and, and, and exercise a demon nice. with his handkerchief mm. we understand mm. it's not that like Paul went Paul didn't go over to the place and pray on the person and, and then the demon went Paul wiped his sweats off with a rag and they took the rag to a man with a demon and the demon left because of the rag we understand yeah this isn't just any you know we've seen people cast out demons in the bible yeah but this is this has now gone to a new level when jesus said like you'll do greater things than i have done this is the things we're talking about yeah this is this is the place where where paul is is at at this point yeah and Paul is now in Ephesus and people are taking this as his handkerchief and his apron to cast out demons. Right. So what kind of reputation do you think Paul has at this point? Well, it seems like he's a magician as well, kind of, <laughs> in the I mean, sense that yeah. in the sense that he's like, maybe people are thinking that the handkerchiefs have power in them because of <laughs> the way he touched them. You know? Right. It was, it was just you... a, oh yeah, go ahead, Daniel. Nah, he makes a good point because we think about it. We think about um, how people love to associate one thing with another. So Jesus was always associated with just disciples and people thought the disciples were useful because they listened to Jesus. And now, obviously, we've got to another stage with it. But people are, they're gaining, I wouldn't say they're gaining the wrong thing, but they're not looking at it in the right way to gain the proper understanding. Cool. All right. Imitab, you just said something. What did you say? I said they probably thought he was the holiest man alive. They probably thought he was the holiest man alive. All right. Paul is at this point famous. When we talk to about admiration, Paul has admiration. All right. You can almost, there's almost like a buzz. Oh, Paul is here. Oh, what's he going to do? Because Paul is the guy at this point. Yeah. And what starts happening is because of Paul's ministry and because of what Paul's doing and his activity, People start 
there's there's almost like a copycat um culture coming out right mm -hmm. so people are like, oh who's getting a lot of like a lot of attention oh i, I want some of that tyler says something about admiration I'll, i kind of want to be like like what what that the person i admire is doing i i like that in them so i kind of want that as well right this is what's happening right so you, it's almost like businesses start cropping up about like do you, how, how, this is the place where you get demons exercised like if you've got a problem with demons come to my shop you know men are walking around yeah yeah we're doing what paul's doing him seeing if they can you know catch a little second-hand glory from paul yeah all right cool so this is where we are then what happens verse 13 Romans in verse 13. And verse 14. What's verse 13 and 14 about? Verse 13. Mm -hmm. Then certain of the vagabond Jews exorcists took upon them to call over them which had evil spirits the name of the Lord Jesus, saying, We adjure you by Jesus, whom Paul preacheth. And there were seven sons of one Sceva, a Jew and chief of the priests, which did so. Okay, so what's happening? A bunch of fake, fake Jews. Jews. Call people to come and couple, couple. Jay said a couple of fake Jews, right? What's the joke? Is they're not actually fake Jews. Vagabond this Jews. is the mad. They're vagabond Jews, right? But who, are the, who's their father? The chief of the priests. Chief of the priests, right? So you can imagine these are these are PKs. These are pastors' kids. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. These are pastors' kids, right? And what they do is they see Paul getting all these, get, getting all this fame, getting all this admiration. They're like, oh, we like a bit of that. Let's go find someone who needs, who is demon possessed and let's go and cast out the demon. Seven of them. Seven sons of this high priest. They go, oh, I've got an idea. Let's go down and let's cast out a demon. Right? So as they're going down, they find a, a, a man with an unclean spirit, with an evil spirit. And they say, what do they say to him? They're like, we, we're going to cast, we exercise you by the Jesus whom Paul preaches. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, so get this, right? It's almost like they come up to the demon, right? The man with the demon in him, and he's like, right, in the name of Jesus, come out. And the demon's like, oh, okay. And he's like, gets, gets his bag. He's like, right, time to go then. He said the name of Jesus, right? And then they said what? Of whom Paul preaches. Of whom Paul preaches. Then the man goes, oh, oh, okay, let me put down my bag. Let me chill. I ain't got to go nowhere. I ain't got to go nowhere. What, what mistakes did these guys make? They didn't believe what they were saying. <laughs> they didn't believe what they were saying. More so, what, why didn't they believe what they were saying? Because they're using Paul. Look at him in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches about. So they don't even know Jesus. They don't know Jesus. They don't know Jesus. You can almost imagine, right, in their head, 
they're sons of a priest, therefore somehow there's a secondhand anointing. Like my dad, my dad's holy, so therefore we should be holy in it. We should be able to cast out demons. My dad's a priest. We should be able to cast out demon. Yeah, calm. Right? Yeah. Not they only that, it's a buzzword that has power in it. So that again? They, they think it's a buzzword that has power. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've heard Paul say in the name of Jesus. Yeah, man. So in the name of Jesus, it should be calm. Do you this think really, they were still under yeah. the delusion of um of the of the law of Moses saying that oh obviously only the priests were to do certain things? Of course that's probably where their culture is at this point. We're we're sons we're, we're sons of the priests, we're Levites, likely, right? We got this, we got this sorted, right? Not only that, but this is this is the danger that we have when we um when we as Christians, right, are born in the church. This is the danger. Because what will happen is, oh, we, we're born in the church, we know of the Bible, we know of the doctrines, we go to church, and yet when it comes to a serious issue, a spiritual, serious spiritual issue, we're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that Jesus that a pastor preached about. Mm. Mm. Um, you know, I'm sorry if I just cut you off there, but um, you know, when people mention someone else's name, so it kind of takes away accountability and responsibility if something goes wrong. Like when they say by whom Paul preaches, it's kind of like being like, oh, so-and-so told me to say this, kind of not like I want to do this like I want to say this or like apparently I heard about it from so and so so they're not really like claiming it for themselves and like saying how they're fully in it and if it goes wrong then it's on pool not not them exactly it'll be like right me going to a party right someone's birthday party and me coming to the door um and the guy's like, sorry, I don't know you. And then me be like, yeah, yeah, but I know his friend's friend. Mm. So like, what's that got to do with the price of sugar? Yeah. You don't know the guy's birthday. Mm. You know what I mean? You don't, it's his birthday party. You don't know you. Yeah, yeah, but I know his friend's friend. <laughs> if you're not on the list, you're not getting in. You get what I'm saying? This is, this is the situation they're in right now, right? They think because they've been in church, they think because they're, they're the father of the pastor, so the sons of the pastor, they, they think because they know the doctrines, they probably keep the Sabbath, they think there's somehow, somehow some power in all of that. Get real, there's no power in any of that. There's no power in any of that. Yeah, it's great to keep the Sabbath. We've done a study on the Sabbath before. It's great to know the doctrines. It's great to be in church. It's great to even be the, the child of a preacher, but ultimately none of those things have power. We understand. So here, here, here comes the favorite verse of this story, right? Verse 15, That's what someone, if someone could read quick.
but one time when they tried it, the evil spirit replied, I know Jesus and I know Paul, but who are you? Right. They, they said, come out. They said, in the name of Jesus, come out of the man who, who Paul preaches. Who, right? preaches. who Paul preaches. <laughs> the spirit then says, I know Jesus. I know Paul. But who are you? Right? You, cool. you know this that you guys have put up here, man. <laughs> this is the face. That, this is the face that I'm seeing still uh, in my imagination. Because the thing the, the demon is confused. Who are you? Why are you still why, why are you talking to me? Why are you coming close to me? Uh, mm. But yeah. For real, right? For real. Why are you coming close? I, I don't know who you are, right? So much so we're gonna go deep into this, right? So how does the demon know Jesus? He was previously an, an angel. So yeah. He's an angel. Is an angel, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. So I know Jesus from being the most high. You know what I mean? I know Jesus from being the Messiah. I know Jesus from heaven when we went through the war and he cast us out. I know Jesus from the creation story. Like Jesus, me and Jesus have an experience, right? Right? I experientially know who Jesus is, right? Oops, I took off the, uh, the photo. Let me put that back. Right. I experientially know who Jesus is. The word for know, in, when it says Jesus I know, is the Greek word, um, where's the word? Um, genisco, right? Genisco means to know experientially, right? So I know Imhotep, right, experientially. I know him, he's my stepbrother, like we've had experiences together with yeah. family, I know him, mm -hmm. right? This is the way the demon knows Jesus. I know Jesus experientially. I've met him, we've had conversations. I've, I've seen what he's done, right? He cast me out of heaven, I get it, right? Then he says, right? What's interesting is <laughs> the demon knows Jesus more than the guys who are trying to cast the demon out. Yeah. So how are you going to try and cast out a demon in the name of Jesus when the demon knows more about Jesus than you? Best believe if you're going into a spiritual context, you best know Jesus more than the demon. You understand? You better experientially know Jesus more than the demon. You get it? That's Tyler, you're going to say something? No, I was going to say that's mad. Just never put it there like that. Now, when he says, now, now, what does he say next? And I know Paul, and Paul I know. And Paul I know, right? So Jesus I know, and Paul I know. Now, this, this no is different. This no is, um, in the Greek, is um, epistemi. Now, what do you think epistemi means? Epistemi. Epistemi. That's that's the word for no in this context. So if we think the no that it talks about Genesco, um in when it talks about Jesus, mm. what do you think the no is when he's talking about Paul? Because it's not the same. Maybe it's the the no as in Jesus has made me aware of Paul. 
close, close. But it's not Jesus who's made him aware of Paul. Who has made him aware? Other demons? Right, so he's heard about Paul, isn't it? Yeah. He's heard, I know about Paul because I've heard about him. Where would he have heard about Paul? Michael, you other said demon. it. Yeah, other, other demon. Yeah, other demon. <laughs> right? Mm. So you can imagine now, he knows Paul because this demon has talked with other demons and it seems like in their conversation, in their meetings, they're like, ah, oh, this virgin Paul. Paul keeps on cropping up to these in, in demon conversation. Right? Keeps cropping up. So I know Paul. I know. And why do I know Paul? What is special about Paul? Because he's del- because delivering he's demons. demons. So he's casting demons so, out. He's been casting out demons, but in whose name? Jesus. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name, right? right. So, so the demon is scared of Paul, not because of Paul, but because of who? Jesus. Because of Jesus, right? Paul's not the Messiah. Mm. Paul didn't save nobody from their sins. Understand, Paul is working now within full flow of the Holy Spirit, so much so that his handkerchiefs are casting out demons, because of the power of Jesus, right? So when these guys come over and now say, oh, in the almost like saying in the name of Paul, Paul ain't got no power. Mm. Mm. Can't say in the name of Paul. Mm. Paul ain't casted out no demons in and of himself. Paul's casting out demons in the name of Jesus. So if you're not casting demons out in the name of Jesus, you're not casting out demons. Then the devil, then the demon, right, asks, who are you? Right? What, what do you think he's asking there? By whose authority are you here? By whose authority? Afraid, yeah, they're not afraid of them because they came in their own authority as opposed to Jesus. For real, right? They came in their own authority. He's saying, who, by whose authority... Are you saying this way? He doesn't care about their names, right? He doesn't wouldn't know. He doesn't care who they are. He's saying, "Who are you to tell me to leave?" Yeah, yeah, but but I'm a son of a preacher. Yeah, but I go to I go to to the to the temple and I go to to school to learn about the doctrines and all this for years. Mm. I yeah yeah, but but you know we're supposed to be holy. We keep the we keep the commandments. Mm. No, no, but who are you to tell me to do anything? Because in all those things, there's no power. Then what happens to them? He straight up attacks them. Why Why do you think he attacks them? I think it's to do with showing them that they have no power. I think it's also to like let them acknowledge that spiritual warfare ain't a joke. I think. I think. <laughs> I guess the idea that they had like the gal almost to approach a demon without having at least the authority of Jesus by their side. Do you know what I mean? Mm. So it's, yeah, it's that idea that they thought. They, they took spiritual warfare lightly. They thought, they took the act of casting out a demon lightly as if it was yeah. just 
something that they anyone could do like it's not oh yeah all you have to say is these words and that's it like no it's much deeper there's a lot you don't know <laughs> you clearly don't know let me let me go back a second because i think um i missed something this demon right didn't know th these guys didn't know that But they but they were in the church. But their but their father was a pastor, but he didn't know them. And so when we think right, when we think, oh, you know, we're in a situation, something's bad, the devil's attacking me, man. The devil's attacking me. It's attacking my life. Yeah, got all these all these temptations, all these things. Like, oh, are we sure the devil knows who you are? Because why would the devil know who you are? He will only know who you are if you're associated with Jesus. He will only know who you are if you're associated with Jesus. So much so, he will only know who you are if you're a threat. Mm. Right? Devil ain't attacking people who, uh, uh, who aren't threats. You know what I'm saying? The, the issues that we find ourselves in are self-proclaimed self issues. We get into issues because we messed up, we did something wrong and we've, we're eating what we've sown, mm. right? The devil only has you on his list if you're a threat. This is why the demon knows Paul. Paul is a threat. Think about it right now, are we a threat? Or is the devil calm with us? Yeah, we go to church. Yeah, we join this Bible study. Yeah, we we may pray occasionally. But is there threat? Is there power? Mm. You get what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So much so, right? This is this is why this story actually actually um actually hit me, right? Because this is why we need to know Jesus for ourselves. When I first heard about this story, right? This is what I was told. I was told, firstly, I was, I was told there was one person, not seven. So, so in my mind, there was one person in this story. Secondly, I thought the, the demon, after the, after the guy told um, him to come out, the demon came out of the man, beat them up, and then, and then went back in. That's what I was told. Guess what? That's not what the Bible says. Yeah? So now I've had this idea of this story in my mind that is not actually the truth. Because I didn't read it for myself. And this is a, an ongoing theme with all the stories that we're... And this is kind of why we're doing stories. But I don't think it can stop with, with Reese doing a Bible study on a Sabbath and suddenly now we all know the Bible. It don't work that way. Yeah, we need to know these things for ourselves. How much are we going back after we hear these studies and actually studying it for ourselves? Reading the text for ourselves. Understanding it for ourselves. Getting to know Jesus for ourselves. Or is it just, ah, oh, you know, on Sabbath at two o'clock, just something to do. Mm. 
two twos when the spiritual warfare comes along, what we do? Oh, oh, yeah, the name, the, the the one that Paul preaches about, Reuben dead. Um, now I'm just thinking about this whole thing of like we don't, you know, sometimes sometimes we stop associating this whole thing as like spiritual warfare, and we're just like, you know, God is just gonna give us victory over the devil in terms of like you know so we'll survive the devil rather than we'll actually like fight the devil and be victorious sometimes it's like we're just trying to do this just to scrape through and just to you know keep our what's the word um keep you know so so that when the devil attacks us we just survive but this whole concept that the bible is has introduced before and is introducing again here is this idea that we you know, I, I like how you said it a couple minutes ago, just the fact that we become threats to the devil, active threats, you know, it's like even the way that we were describing, um, even the way that we were describing the fact that the demon knew about Paul. Paul had been discussed in the circle is that demons were collecting two, two missions to go and harass this guy. And, you know, the, 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 the demon handed out the missions is just like, yeah, and before you go, just be careful because there's a guy called Paul out there and you need to be aware. Mm. that is that's mad because this this is this is the power that god has given us access to and this is that this is the whole thing of like you know because we know who the devil is sometimes we we obviously we we fear the devil we forget the fact that god has given us victory and this isn't this isn't like it's, it's nothing to play with the power that god has given us in this in this thing the devil's fear and tremble 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 like that, that 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 imagery in my mind is powerful um and this is nathan by the way yeah. see nathan. cool all right so verse 16 right it says and a man in whom an evil spirit was leaped on them and overcame them and prevailed against them so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. So they walked in that, that situation thinking, yeah, 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 we're gonna be like Paul, mm. let's cast out a demon, people will love us, mm. da, 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 da. And they left there naked and wounded, right? Naked and wounded. Why do you think, uh, let's go back to this question. Why do you think the, um, the, the demon beat them up? They needed humbling, to be honest, because like they went there really fresh and they were like, we can go and do this. And then they got humbled and then they went back with barely any clothes on. Like The difference is like Paul, um, with Paul, like, yeah, the demons would have known him, like his ministry. He was known for, you know, casting out demons, like he was assaulting, like demons would give stories about how, you know, they, they got cast out. And and the demons couldn't touch Paul because he was protected by Christ. He was protected by God. And there was no way a demon in the first place could have been able to attack Paul in that context. But as far as the sons of this priest were, and as far as the sons of the priest, they were, they were just a bit of a joke to them. They, could have, they were easily subdued because they didn't come with that same um, protection. They didn't come with with the protection of Christ as well, 
So not only did Paul have the power to cast out demons, but he also had protection from God, from the demons as well. Mm. There's two things here, right? You're 100% right, Michael. There's, there's two things, right? Number one, understand our place. Without Jesus, right, without Jesus, we have no business fighting in the spiritual warfare. We're ultimately mm-hmm. outgunned, mm-hmm. outmanned, mm-hmm. out like you have no chance. Think of an angel. You're trying to fight an angel on your ones. It's not gonna go good for you. Right? So that's number one. Right? But obviously we see the, his reaction to Paul when Jesus is on your side, it's like it's a completely different story. We understand. But number two, what the demon didn't like is the hypocrisy that they were showing, right? Because it was almost like the demon was like, yeah, but you're saying all this now, but weren't we just hanging out yesterday? You're you're in church singing hallelujah, Mm. praising God, but on Friday night, weren't you doing X, Y, Z? Like, and now you want to come tell me to come out of the man mm. with you, with you, you, you're trying to tell me to come out of the man. Me and you were hanging out two days ago. What are you talking about? And so what happens is <laughs> these men get beat up, disclosed and sent out of the house. What's mad is what happens next, right? <laughs> You think, boy, this is a bad situation. All right, what happens in verse 17 to verse 20, really? People were... People were scared of the world. Yeah, fear, fear fell upon the people of Ephesus because of what they had heard, and they came to know who God was as a result of the failure of the seven sons in casting out the demon, basically. I think I think that we want verse 16. Um, I don't think that we've got there yet. Wait, verse, verse 16? Oh. I think, I think it's, it's where, we say, where it's saying um, in verse 16. Oh, okay, my bad. Spirit was leaped on them and overcame them, prevailed against them. So they fled out of the house naked and wounded. Have mercy. Okay. Okay. So I did seven. Sorry, seventeen. Um, and this was known to all the Jews and the Greeks, also dwelling in Ephesus, and fear fell on them all. And the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified, and many that believed came and confessed and showed their deeds. I'm just gonna um, jump off of verse seventeen and eighteen, which Nathan just read. And I made this point that said, um, maybe because, as um, Michael and Nathan just said, that everybody now knew about it. Um, in verse uh, in verse 17, it says that the name of Jesus ended up being magnified. So all of the Jews that um, had maybe thought that their Jewish line of Judah, line of David protection, 
would work against demons, all of a sudden they couldn't say that because they've now read about the boys down the road, the neighbours down the block that got mashed up. So they can no longer claim that defence. Yeah. And all the Greeks that, you know, maybe for whatever reason, they thought they also had a defence, maybe. They couldn't say anything too. The only thing that was tying to being able to conquer demons was the name of Jesus. And that was the only thing that could end up being glorified. Mm. So, yeah. Um, they realised that it wasn't just some magic formula. It's not a name that's simply domesticated almost. Like, and as a result, like their interest in occult practices were just thrown out the window because they realised that it's not as simple as just putting together, following a list of instructions or just putting together this herb or that herb or saying this, this special enchantment or anything. They realized they needed God. And yes. yeah, that's where true power comes from. It's interesting that you say that, maybe that, these these pastors kids have been messing around with witchcraft already so they thought they could just do it in the same way that they dealt with that i must mad is when it says the name the name of the lord jesus was magnified right the way i take this is to say like they realize let's not take the lord name the lord jesus's name in vain Right, they had no business calling calling on Jesus right then because they didn't know who he was. What did they think? What Jesus's name is just well, he'll just come and save anybody who who calls his name. Doesn't work that way. He needs to have a relationship. So the fact that you called his name and you didn't know him meant that you got beat up. So now the name of Jesus now got some a little bit more respect behind it. Like look, we can't just be be shouting his name out left, right, centre. Like, let's actually get to know the person whose name it is. Right, so his name was magnified. Verse 19 and, um, and 20, right, says that all of their books that they had, all the books of the arts, it says curious arts, right? Mm. So this is all their magic books and all that. They burnt them all. So <laughs> we don't want anything to do with this anymore. Just because of the situation. They don't want anything to do with it anymore. Right? So Ephesus being a place where pure magic, pure also witchcraft, all this kind of things going on, they went, no, 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 we don't want anything. So much so that when they did it, all the, the value of the books was 50,000 pieces of silver. This is how much these people were plagued by this thing, right? Okay, so I'm I'm looking at the time because I wanted to go into something else, right? Which is hence why we kind of I don't think we, we didn't go fast through it, but it wasn't a long story, right? Because I wanted to go through something else. Um, but both this week and last week we we've been talking about what. Who was there last week? What, do, what was the Bible study on? Oh, I remember we were talking about it there. I can't remember what it was called. 
Jesus comes off the mountain of transfiguration, right? right, right, right? Yeah, yeah, the transfiguration. And then what happens? Then there was the chosen people who stayed behind to cast right. out demons. To cast out demon, right? Yeah. Oh, it's a continuation. I it's not it. well. There's a link because two two times in a row now we've talked about this thing about casting out demons. Right, two weeks in a row. So uh, not to say that it's a specific con- continuation, but I thought to myself, right, practically, what does this mean for us? Because we can read the story like last week and we can read this story and we can think, right, okay, um, let me not go like, talk, to, talk to a demon or try to cast out a demon or deal with spiritual things without having the protection of Jesus, right? Which is a great lesson, but ultimately, when I wake up tomorrow morning, I don't really need to think about that. Right. So, what is what practically? What are these stories telling us? Um, so, I'm I'm thinking that this is a reminder that we automatically try to do everything in our own strength, and God has made His strength available for us to access. Um, it is very dangerous for try and go and um, obviously go into any type of spiritual warfare on our own, yet week after week, month after month, day after day, we still try it. And God's there just like, <laughs> but why are you going to go and take on someone that can mash you up? You're not even big, you're not even strong, you're not even hench. Yet I am. And I'm willing to go and fight for you, and yet you're not even inviting me to the part, to, to the the event perfect right but Ruben you said something very interesting you said um you know Jesus can fight for us we can do it in the power of Jesus but what does that practically mean right because it's easy to say oh yeah we'll just we'll just have that relationship with Jesus or you know well Jesus will be on my side and therefore I will have the strength to fight spiritual wickedness right but what practically is that because there's, there's, it's almost like there's a fancy word, right? But what, what, does, what do I need to do practically day by day to, for that to be a reality? Mm. Yeah. And what I went to, what I mean, what's where the where's the place of this story taken from? You said Ephesus. where did we say Ephesus, right? Yeah. And what was the problem of Ephesus? Witchcraft. Witchcraft, right? So, where would where would this, this problem be dealt with in the Bible? If, if Ephesus is a place where there's Trinity witchcraft, mm. right? Where would, I'll give you a clue, Paul, talk about the solution to such a problem? Ephesians. Ephesians. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, sorry, Reuben, go ahead. No, I was asking what chapter, let's go. What chapter? Right, chapter six. Oh my gosh, we wrestle not against. Oh flesh. yeah, true. Wow. <laughs> yeah, so bait now you. <laughs> All right, let's go for it. Because you know, say sorry, you know, say Paul wrote this after his experience in Ephesus. That we can exactly. repeat it again because and this is literally the last bit of episode, Ephesians. Yeah, this is like the, the this is like the totality of the book. This mm. is like look, let's wrap this all up. Mm. Mm. Right, so we're gonna go through this, right? And too many times have I read this bit and not actually deeped it. Too many times have I gone through the armor of God and not actually understood what the hell it was talking about. 
right? So today we're going to actually understand what it's talking about, right? So let's, let's for a bit of context, we're going to read from verse 10. Um, but we're going to focus on verses 14 to 17. But let's read from verse 10 to 18 first. Chapter 6. Yeah. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armour of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and have it done all to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about the truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness. Verse 15. Yep. Um, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Verse 17, Nathan. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplications for all saints. Cool. Okay. So great passage, right? But you can and you can read that and be like, okay, so what? Right? Quite easily. Yeah, I understand what you mean. Yeah. Quite easily you can read that and be like, oh, that was great. Almost no. like the Beatitudes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, you know, when it talks about love in Corinthians or any of these or passages. Fruits of the spirit. Yeah, fruits of the spirit. So, oh, that's nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? But, but what am I going to do tomorrow? Yeah, yeah. What am I going to do tonight? Mm. Yeah? Okay, let's get into it, right? I'm going to go through, I'm going to read verse 14 to 17 again, and please um, see if you guys can pick up the wording right there, uses. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you should be able to quench all of the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. What do you guys notice? Basically, I'm learning the same uh, equipment. Okay, so I think Paul right now is writing this. He's probably looking at a soldier and looking at the, the things that a soldier has on, right? But... Think about the words in which um, each item is described with. Mm. You're in verbs. So that again? Sorry um, for cutting you there, sorry. Yeah, uh, you're, you're highlighting the verbs. So we're talking um, stand, have, have, uh, take, these kind of action words on our parts that we're trying to highlight, um, I think. Okay, you we're right on the cusp of it, right? Right on the cusp. 
um, standard for you know verse fourteen where it says stand therefore having your loins girt about with truth. For me, that particular part is saying stand therefore having your loins girt about with truth. It's almost like saying yo, have your belt up, be ready, be ready to move. Mm. So kind of like have your loins girt about with truth. You know, you know you're gonna need it. Make sure you know it. Make sure you're ready with the truth. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. We but we're, we're running ahead a little bit. We're running ahead a little bit. So keep that. What you said is right, right? But we're, we're running ahead because we need to understand what the group of these is trying to say. Yeah. Right? So how many items are there? That's five. One more than five? Six. Six, right? There's six items, right? They're actually split into two halves. And you're right on the cusp in terms of the verbs in which they were used, right? What is the difference between the two halves? One half is things that you you wear, and the other half is things that you hold. Pretty much. We're pretty much there, right? It says, right, verse 14, it says, having your loins girt, right? It then says, having on the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod, with the preparation of the piece of the gospel, right? So the first three are things that you should always have, right? The second three, it says, taking the shield of faith. It says, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit. So the second three are things that you pick up when you need them. You understand, Mm -hmm. right? So the first three, when we're reading through them and we're gonna explain each one individually, are things we need to always keep with us, practically, always keep with us. The last three are three that we, t- that we pick up as and when the situation dictates. Mm. We're, we're, we're on the same page, yeah? Mm. Yep. Everyone sees that? Yeah. Cool. All right. So, was it Nathan that was going through what truth meant? Hit me with it. So what is this? This is verse 14. Stand therefore having your loins got about with truth and having on the bless- the breastplate of righteousness. Is it bad? Because I'm kind of like, ooh. It's kind of like, well, it's, it's, the, it's the analogy that's coming to mind, guys, yeah? You know, we have that phrase, you don't want to be cool with your pants down. Um... That's actually just what's coming out to me now. Mm. The fact that when you know your truth, no one can come and tell you anything. No one can like catch you out because you know your truth. Mm-hmm. Um, every day we could get into conversations where, you know, our knowledge of truth is tested. But having your loins go about with truth, it means that you're all right. You're always ready to dish it out. You're always ready to conversate on it because you actually know it. Um, you can't be prepared if you don't know it. Beautiful. And having... right. Couldn't have explained that better. Right. So first thing, when it comes to spiritual warfare, this whole thing is about spiritual warfare, right? The last two stories talk about experiences with demons, right? First thing, know your truth. What, did, what was the first experience we see in the Bible with the devil?
Adam he's, and Eve. Yeah, he, Adam and Eve. And what does he, he blurs do? it? He blurs the truth. Well, he he blurs. He did what God the truth. Yeah, yeah. Pure deception. And that's mad. That's mad because it shows us straight away in the Bible that truth can exist that but can be blurred, and so it shows us that you know. Just because there is truth out there doesn't mean that people can't distort that, which is a concept, a mad concept. Exactly. Even says um, in Matthew, it, it will deceive even the very elect, if it were possible, even the very elect, mm. right? Mm. So understand knowing your truth is vitally important when it comes in spiritual warfare. Mm. Reese, can I just pick up yeah, on what you ahead. said there? You see, it says if it were possible so that that kind of makes me happy when i hear that because it means if i know my truth well enough it's not possible for you to deceive me exactly exactly that's exactly it guys guys i'm sorry because i'm gonna come in there and i'm not trying to take us on a tangent but one of the things i used to kind of like be secure in especially like hearing this stuff when i was young idea that you know so it's kind of like almost a case that even if you're not a Christian, you can just make sure that you don't get the mark of the beast because you know what it is. Or you can make sure that, you know, mm. it's, just, it's just like little things. Like you can make sure that you don't do this or you don't participate in this. And therefore you're not like working into Satan's narrative for the time of the end. But eventually i came to understand that it's a case of however secure you think you are if you in the time of the end if you're not with god you will be against him and everything that the people that are against him do you will do and that's that's a little bit mad because that's when it becomes it's not just a case of knowing the knowledge but obviously it's also a case of having the relationship that's going somewhere and the only reason i felt to say that is just because i've heard people before kind of like have this kind of attitude that says that even if I'm not 100% with God, as long as I know what not to do and what to avoid, I'll be okay. But in reality, you are not strong enough to resist all of mm. this. That's done. And yeah, I just wanted to make that point. And just to feed on that, Ruben, I'm assuming, um, the, the, when, when, we, when we're talking about truth, right? I understand it's not just head knowledge. Right? It's partly head knowledge, but it's not only head knowledge. Truth is also about what you're living as well as what you know. So hence what, what Ruben was just saying just then, right? It's not just about knowing what's going to happen in the time of the end. It's about living it mm. as well. Mm. That is what living in truth is. These are things that you need to live with, understand. And this is going to leave very easily onto the next point right but truth is not just a, not just a, a knowledge and and also just to add on remember when i was talking about the story that we just went through and how someone had told me about the story and i didn't know the story from the bible and i thought all of these things right this is how it's so easy to deceive the the people in the church right so easy to deceive people who have been born in the church so easy because you'll hear a story how many times have we gone through um uh, the the parable of the of the two sons, um, a story of of whoever. You hear things, you're like, wait a minute, I didn't actually realize that that was part of the story, or I didn't even realize that was the meaning of that story. Yeah. Because really, all you'd the only way you'd heard that story is through the children's story. 
And do you know what as well, Reese? I'm sorry. I feel like I have to say this. In our church where we've been raised, most of us, we it's a very big thing that what is said on the pulpit is not to be challenged. For real. And you you know what it is, right, Daniel? It's not only is not to be challenged, but even if you hear something that you don't think needs to be challenged, how many times do you still go back to your Bible and read it? Because ultimately we're lazy. We're lazy. I remember there was somewhere in it's somewhere in Acts that it talks about there were a group of people that searched the scriptures daily. The Bereans. The Bereans. And that's what I always, I always hear that come back to my head whenever I go through like a Bible study or something. Because I feel like, yeah, I may have just learned a lot, but we gain group learning and then we have to go away and we each have to digest what we can take out of those things. So for me now, I will spend another little while and go through something afterwards so I have a deeper knowledge of it. But when it comes to church, we never really feel like we have to apply that, but we apply it to everything else that we do, everything else that we study. Why is that? Mm. Yeah, Sorry, I was gonna... that question. Sorry, Mass, or whoever that was. Just re ask uh, that again, real quick. Oh, sorry, good, good, good. My bad, sorry. Uh, Mass, you go first and then move in. Um, yeah, no. Um, I was just going to build on that. Like, if you think about school or uni, like, how many times do you just sit and, I mean, you must be very gifted if you can do this. You can just, like, go to your lecture, mm. listen to your lecture, and then, like, that's it. That's you sorted for the exam. Like, mm. you go home, maybe not on that same day, but you re-re- you re-watch the lecture, you make notes, and you, like, even sometimes put it into your own words. Um, so that you can understand it better. So why don't we do the same when it comes to the Bible? For sure. For sure, for sure. Reuben? Or Nathan? I'm just going to call it Reuben because it's Reuben's phone. So, you know, you guys are just going to have to hold that. How do you not know their difference by now? Oh, you know, it's the voices. If I saw the faces, <laughs> the voices, oh, yeah, yeah. Voices you, the man. Long, I'll be honest. You need to do some studying. Just listen to the voices. You'll get it after a week or two. <laughs> how many years has it been though trust me it's, that's it's what I'm saying yeah. anyway continue, continue yeah sorry Ruben's phone personally I, I, I shouldn't be having that really um, yeah uh, no I was just going to say uh, Daniel Maz maybe you both have a point there um, we get used to letting people do our spiritual legwork mm, yeah. if that makes yeah um how easy is it to lift praises and to, yeah, it is, isn't it? It's really easy to kind of, uh, kind of nod your head and agree with someone when they've already made the powerful point and to then add something on there. But how many of us are actually studying to kind of find those powerful points ourselves? Um, this idea that God is actually ready to pull a whole hymnal of songs and praises out of each of us. Yeah. Mm. And because of this fact that we're, we're willing to kind of just sit back, we're not actually letting that deep experience happen. It's actually crazy, I think. Um, you know what's bad that I just thought about is that even in a, um, in a worship service, 
we're not really singing too tough unless the praise team are doing bits. Right. Because we, we need we need someone to to kind of like because our praises are really about God. It's about how good the praise team is. Right. You know what I mean? You're so right, but I also have to say at the same time, forget that because there are some people who will be there singing their voices and putting the praise team to shame, man. Yeah, sorry, Tyler, go ahead. You have yeah, yeah. I was gonna say it's like Sometimes we just go to church to sort of tick the box. Like we went to church on, you know, Sabbath. Because I know, like, we all been real. There's days we like, oh, maybe fancy it going there. You just go because it's the right thing to do. You sit and you be quiet because it's the right thing to do. You sing when you need to, when someone points out to you. And so, so you're not really there. You're just there to like, oh, okay, I've done it. Like God's, mm. God's happy with me now. Rather than actually going there to, you know, learn something and take it in and actually want to worship God. I wanted to ask, like, what what does it mean to kind of like make sure that you are learning something and taking it in and all of this? Because there's there's like a couple, you know, at least I I can think of a couple different ways that the people kind of like try to engage with what's happening when they go to church on Sabbath. You know, you see people taking notes during the study or during the sermon because they actually want to be able to like go back and like follow back and check. And, you know, you see people kind of like, um, like trying to make sure that, you know, trying to make sure that they're actively listening, um, not trying to like, drop asleep and all of that, trying to keep active, um, trying to sit in good spots so that they can actually listen and all of that, not, not, not trying to like get caught out too much by just speaking to everyone when they should be like finding um, a seat so they can actually listen. You see someone like people engaging with the songs. Um, and like this is one of the things that I want to be someone that does, you know, um, just like the whole thing of like when you when you read when you sing a song, actually clocking the lyrics that you're singing and reflecting on that. Um, and I'm just thinking like we as youth, what are the ways that we think that we can actually engage in that more? Because let's remember, Sabbath is for us, and Sabbath is you know Sabbath is a Sabbath is the day. Sabbath is happening with or without you, but for you to Sabbath, it has to be something where you know you're you've got a, you've got a relationship with God that you're trying to actually take to the next level. And that, by the way, this doesn't mean that you know if you haven't had a relationship with God or whatever that has happened to you, but it does mean that I personally feel, and obviously you guys can come back to me on this, but I feel that when it comes to actually experiencing Sabbath properly, you've got to be trying to go somewhere with God. You can't just be going there like, oh, church is just something. I'm doing and then thinking that you're keeping Sabbath. That, you know, you're keeping church maybe, but not Sabbath. Mm. I don't know. I, I, I just really want to know what people's things are on, like how to engage with this. Because even this little thing about like, we're having this study, who's going to like go and read that later and see what they get from it <laughs> or anything like that. But yeah. I mean, for me, it comes down to, like, you have two options, right? You have two options. Either you you lead it, so therefore you have to put the work in, or you devote yourself to putting the work in. I mean, it's, it's, one, it's, 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 it's that simple. So, And it's diff different for everyone how they do that. It could be taking notes during the thing and come back to it later. It could be following in the story, whatever 
is being preached or being told about in the Bible closely, so you're following it properly. But ultimately, it's either you, you have to you have to have a mindset of either I'm leading the thing, so you know what I'm going to have to read up on it, I'm going to have to digest it, and all the rest of it, or if I'm not leading it, I'm going to have to purpose in my mind that I'm going to have to do that in whatever shape or form that is. But really, ultimately, it's a mindset change. Reese, that's a big thing. I will... You see, years ago, when I started, I had a little break from church. Before I got ill and was unable to come, I personally chose to stop attending church because I used to feel like a lot of people and then a lot of the things that were said just wouldn't sit right with me. And especially whenever I tried to challenge it, I was just being hit with a brick wall from every direction. So I took time out and I purposely did not attend church for a while. Now, my Sabbaths, at first, I didn't know what to do with myself. I would be sitting at home trying to focus and listen to sermons online and stuff. And sometimes my mind was there and sometimes it wasn't. Sometimes I would find myself walking miles through the local areas around here, just trying to gain something out of nature. But as I progressed and as I've had more years being both in church and out of church at different times, it's come more to me to see that it's important that I can have peace in and of myself on a Sabbath. If I can have peace, personally, I will gain something from the day, regardless of how it goes down, regardless of whether I'm listening to preachers or I'm listening to birdsong. Do you get me? Mm-hmm. But it is very important what you say about the mindset. When your mind is on anything, not anything else, but when your mind is focused on other things, like you may not think about it, but then you're thinking, oh, what are my boys doing? As soon as your mind starts to wander to these places, you start to lose out on the essence of what you're going to gain from that day. And that's where I see it personally. Yeah, for sure. All right, so because we have the other five to go through, right? So let's just make sure that we understand it's not just about, it's about knowing the truth, but not only knowing the truth, knowing the truth for yourself, mm. and not only knowing the truth for yourself, but living in a way that makes it known that you know the truth. Yeah, and that leads us nicely onto the second one. What's the second one? Breastplate of righteousness. Breastplate of righteousness. What is the breastplate of righteousness? I guess uh, I can break it down. I guess the breastplate in terms of armor, it's what protects mainly like the organs that are vital for survival. Um, the fact that it's described as the breastplate of righteousness, um, it suggests that, I guess it's the idea that the same way like a soldier doesn't go into battle without, you know, armor, and the same way we need to realize that the gifts, the power that God gives to us is through righteousness by faith and not for our own self-righteousness, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, it's that, it it's having that sense of confidence, having that sense of like, I know God's with me. Um, not, it's, it's not pride, but it's the idea of God is with me in confidence. every situation. 
that I'm yeah. in, in the midst of my storms, in the midst of my valley situations. God, God is there present with me and I have that confidence. I can stand in confidence knowing he's, he's there with me. So the righteousness comes through righteousness by faith, not, not, not through the idea that, you know, like I keep the Sabbath righteousness. It's not the things that I do. It's because of God in me and his grace that he's bestowed onto me. That, that's what gives me the power to do great things. Ruben, yes, obviously. Or Nathan? Thanks, Michael. Um, I, I kind of resonated a little bit with what Michael was saying in terms of... Well, it, to be fair, what it made me think about is this idea that we often see, or I, in my mind, I see the breastplate as, again, protecting those vital organs. But, you know, we're protecting it from outside dangers. And yet I'm thinking of that as enemies and adversaries, where in reality, um, how many times do we think of the fact that the reason God is actually trying to call us to righteousness is to protect ourselves and to protect us from ourselves sometimes. So, you know, you can think of people like Joseph um, and Daniel, where because people had experienced their behavior, you know, you had kings and leaders that actually when people would come and say this person did this or this person did this they'd actually be like no no I know them and you know um, I remember months ago when we were talking about Joseph we said if Potiphar really thought that Joseph went and tried something with his wife then he wouldn't have been there yeah but he then experienced Joseph's righteousness quote-unquote yeah then that their outcome was different you could say a similar thing with Daniel maybe and because the kings had been able to experience Daniel it wasn't a case of Nebuchadnezzar being happy to um sorry Darius being happy to throw him in the lion's den because again he's experienced the righteousness and but as well as it being something that defends us to other people maybe it's something that defends us from ourselves as well to say okay I want to protect you from overeating and overindulging I want to protect you from going here, from doing this, because I know that these are things that are going to be in and of yourself harming you. And so if you stay on this path, then you're going to be um, kind of healthy in your spirit, your soul, your mind, and not mm. degrade yourself in that way as well. So that was just my little two cents there. Great. So you guys are, are, are right, but the reason why this is used in the armor of God, especially when we're talking about um, against spiritual wickedness and fighting spiritual warfare, is because being covered by righteousness or have being, being a righteous person, living in that truth, right, by faith, is a defense against um, spiritual wickedness. Because spiritual wickedness is attracted to sin understand all of these people who are demon possessed or um, have some kind of demon possession in them within biblical um, scenarios is because some type of sin has, has, has allowed that demon to come into them, right? And so there's a weakness that we have when we are attached to sin. That's how they get in, through the sin. And so if we have the righteousness by faith that Michael is talking about, that means that the, that spiritual wickedness can't can't get us, basically. We have God's protection from them. Um, that is the avenue. 
on saying it like that, it's made me look at it slightly differently because it says, obviously, Isaiah says, all our righteousness is as filthy rags, yeah? yeah? And now that you've said it like this, it's making me look at it differently like this. So a breastplate, all of this armour that we get in is external stuff. It's nothing that we innately have of ourselves. So all of this is coming from Jesus and it's being applied to us because of the relationship that we have with him. And as the breastplate is, it was, it's something obviously that protects, like, as Michael said, your more vital organs, your heart. If your heart for God is kept protected, then the sin can't mm-hmm. enter you in the first place. So this demon possession yeah. thing is not a problem for us, or it should not be. Mm. Exactly. Okay, cool. Everyone's got that one, yeah? Again, things that we should always keep. Truth, righteousness. Next one is what? Verse 15. Come on, guys. Go, go. What's the next one? Gospel of peace, but they're Gospel like sandals, kind of. Right, so, so we could say sandals, shoes, right? With the preparation of the gospel of peace. What's that talking about? The preparation of the gospel of peace. Is it, is it like, like witnessing? Not quite. Not quite witnessing. Think about in the context of um, of spiritual attacks, spiritual wickedness. This is what this is trying to defend against. And peace being the operative word here. Is it to do with kind of Jesus being that peace and just knowing that um, he is the one that can bring that to you? Like, let me try and find the verse that I'm thinking of. Mm. Be right on track there, yeah, Ruben. While you're trying to find that for us, I think I'm looking at this and I'm just thinking of the fact that we're kind of like God wants us to be peacemakers and so it's all about like introducing you to the gospel that brings peace but it's also about you know we're not going anywhere to stir things up in 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 you know in obviously you know we could be we could think of it as God wants the world upside down but he wants us to turn the world upside down with love and so we're never supposed to be going anywhere to kind of like make war against our fellow men. We're going there as peacemakers. We're going there as um, friends. Cool, right? But let's let's get to the grips of this, right? What does peace mean? What is peace? Someone give me a quick definition. Uh, when you're able to do whatever you're doing without your emotions being affected. Yeah, regardless of any outside stimulus. All right. So, like, something can be, like, unpeaceful around you, but you're able to stay kind of calm and resolved. And cool, right? Peace is peace is not um, a state of external um, tranquility, right? Peace is internal. And so why, 
like being able to walk around having your shoes shod with this thing right with peace is so important when we talk to talk about spiritual warfare it's because spiritual warfare will try and mash up your life mm. understand paul right we were raving about paul a minute ago paul's life was, wasn't easy peter's life was not easy these people got martyred understand yeah by many they were hated so understand like this piece that is is with spiritual warfare so to say it really doesn't matter about what's going on doesn't really matter what the devil throws at you externally internally i have the gospel of peace um just to add um it says the preparation of the gospel of peace as well so it's the idea that you need to be you need to be flexible you need to be able to you need to be ready for when that time comes exactly so it's like yeah if you need to get up at this time like you need to move like there's a time that where when strength is required when when you need to do what you need to like you, you need to be flexible and not all of us are and that and that and that's why we need the preparation of the gospel peace because yeah. yeah james james always tells me this idea of um of being constantly aware or always aware right yeah and it's like this idea that it doesn't matter what's going to happen you're always prepared for whatever it is right so it doesn't matter it doesn't matter if someone like we look at job right Mm. Look at all these things that happen. One servant. Oh, your whole your whole livestock is destroyed. As he's telling him that, the next person comes along. All of your children are dead. Next one. All of your houses mash up. Right? Boom, 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 boom. Right? It doesn't matter how what happens, you're always prepared to have peace. Mm. Because the peace is found in Jesus. Mm. It's not found in anything else that you have. And that's one thing got, um, the devil can't take away. Yeah? Okay. So that's the first three, right? Practically, those first three, right? Know your truth for yourself and live your truth. Going on to live your truth is to live within the righteousness of faith that we're talking about. Righteousness by faith that we're talking about. So that, you know, the devil has no in with you. And lastly whatever external things that are happening, you still have peace in your heart because of the gospel mm. and prepare yourself that way, right? Now we're going to talk about the three that um, you pick up, right? Mm. So your helmet, your shield, your sword. Mm. Yeah, these things you pick up when, when the time is ready, mm. when you're ready to go into battle, right? These things come to your aid. Helmet of salvation. What is the helmet of salvation all about? Think that it's a helmet, yeah. Like you were talking about how earlier you were saying that it's not just about knowing these things, but it's about living it now. Mm -hmm. So salvation starts like here on earth. Like we, I think a lot of us understand that concept, but um, I don't get how that's something that it's like you just take as and when. Wouldn't you not make that all we'll the get, time? We'll get, we'll get there, right? right? So, Maz. Um. Yeah. So when I think of like 
time I think of something that's covering me so the fact that I'm I know that I'm not perfect but I've got that forgiveness that I know I can ask for to cover mm. me cool we're right we're right there right what you said is great right so I think it's why is it on your head why, why is the helmet on your head Come on, guys. Why is the helmet on your head? To protect your brain. To protect your brain, right? So what is the salvation protecting your head from? Thoughts. Thoughts, right? Discouragement. Mm. Right? It's very easy to get caught up in this thing. As Maz was saying, I'm not good enough. Yeah. I'm not good enough. Most of I'm not good enough. This world is rubbish. And just, what's the point? This helmet of salvation you put on, you think your focus is on the hope of salvation. So all you're thinking is about is what Jesus done for you, what Jesus sacrificed for us, and the coming and, and the fact that we're living for heaven. That is an antidote to all discouragement. Doesn't matter what you're going through. If you can keep your mind focused, like when some when when these thoughts come up, your mind goes straight to salvation. You get that? We're on the same page. Reminds me of um this verse in John chapter first John, first John three, mm. where it says um, for goodness sake, it says that uh, what manner of love like look what manner of love God has given us that we should be called his son the sons of God but um, that's verse one and in verse three it says something like uh, we don't know how we're going to be but we know that when he will appear we're going to be like him because we're going to see him as he is and this idea again that as Maz said as you said as Imo was alluding to as well um, not just forgetting about the fact that we have salvation not getting so lost in the fact that we're not seeing results now but actually knowing that we've got something to look forward to. Yeah. I understand that as one of the attacks of the devil, right? Discouragement. You're not good enough. You're not going to make it. Stop trying. Mm. Stop trying. This situation you're in is too much for you. Let it go. These are all things that will start entering your head. It's too hard. I can't get over this thing. In moments like that, you use the helmet of salvation. Okay. Mm. Two more. What's the, what's, what's, the, what's the penultimate one? Um, oh, shame. I missed one. Wow. I jumped straight to the helmet. Before the helmet, what's the shame? My fault. Sure, the face. Shield of faith, right? Why is the shield of faith the shield of faith? Protects you from the darts. Cool. Protects you from the, the darts of the enemy. Where do we see in the Bible someone be being protected because of their faith? Job. Job, but not so much Job. Wait, so Daniel, again? Daniel, oh, in the lions, Daniel in the Lions, then. Big example. 
Yeah. I was going to say the instance of Rahab when obviously the spies went into Jericho. Yeah, I'll give you that. For sure, right? Then, but Daniel is such a beautiful example. It's so easy, right, for us to understand Daniel's one. Yeah? So let's break this down. Why was Daniel's example an act of faith? And we can also look at this with the three Hebrew boys. Those were my two examples I thought of, right? Why was that an act of faith? Why was his an act of faith? Why was Daniel going into the lines then? That whole scenario, we know the story. Why was that an act of faith? Because he couldn't see how God was going to save him. Yeah, yeah, he, he still, still worshipped him. The, yeah. the belief there, the faith, obviously, to allow and say, yeah, cool, but God's got me. Cool. Michael, you were going to say? I was like, even in the midst of um, the king declaring all other worship be cancelled and stuff, Daniel still went out and worshipped God, regardless of what the rules were may or may have not been. He still had that time with God in public and he was proud of it as well. Awesome. Right, Tyler, you're going to say something? No, it doesn't matter. He's he basically put on what I was going to say. All right. What do we, we talked about this last week as well. What is the, what is the, the thing that makes faith faith? Risk. Risk. Risk, Risk right? Daniel showed faith because he prayed despite the risk. Despite the risk of him being thrown in the lion's den, he said, I have faith. And therefore he got protection. Three Hebrew boys. Despite the risk, I'm going to have faith. Mm. So I'm not going to bow down. Mm. Despite the fiery furnace. Mm. So they were protected. We understand how faith here is now our shield. But faith is, a, is, a, is an action word. It's a risk word, which means you cannot, this is why this is an, um, uh, having the shield of faith. Because we don't always, we're not always exercising our faith like this. We exercise our faith properly when there is, when, when there is a risk happening, right? And when there's a risk available, then there's an opportunity to show our faith, to pick up our shield. Yeah? Guys, go give me some feedback. We're good? Yeah. We're good. Okay. All right. Ruben? Um, the one thing that we said last week is that, you know, faith needs risk. And I've heard everyone echo that thought already. But it's interesting because I was trying to marry the idea of faith needing risk. Yeah. With the idea of having faith constantly, because even though if you take that worldview and say, you know, we're constantly at risk, it is true. But how many of us are kind of living like that with it always in our mind? You know, we're not necessarily living from risky situation to risky situation, if that makes sense. So if faith is something that we're always supposed to have, then how can it be, you know, something that's just occasional, if that makes sense? You see where I'm coming from? Faith should be always something we have, but it's not something we always exercise. 
Yeah, so that's that's what I'm saying. That's where um, today what we're learning and this idea of taking it, it kind of feeds into all of the other things. If we're if we're holding truth to actually know what we believe, if we're holding in salvation in our heads, then it's almost like faith only shows up when it needs to, if that makes sense. And it's like an underlying theme for everything. Exactly. But it comes, comes. Exactly. And you know what's beautiful? Something Maz said last week has still stayed with me. She said, too often, right, we live our lives calculated. Yeah. So we so we go about our business and we we think about everything and actually there's no risk. Yeah. So therefore we don't need to exercise any faith. And we practice that in our daily lives that we don't want we don't want risk, so we don't want faith, so we don't exercise faith. When actually so when these times come, when you know spiritual wickedness is coming, we don't know we, we have no we have no experience of faith. But really, we day to day allow God to work in our lives more so than when these times come, your faith will be ready. Yeah. Mad point from last week. Okay, last one, right? Where is it? The sword. Sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Cool. Tell me about the Word of God. Something that we can depend on to uh, dispel like confusion about things in life. Cool. This is this last one is almost like it just touches on all of them, but we're gonna we're gonna go to it, right? Mm. So it, it gives us truth, right? Dispels out deception, error, etc. But but there's something specific about this word of God that we're using right now. In what scenario is the word of God like a sword? Is there any truth from life? Not quite. Because mm. that's almost like the first one. That's almost like your 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 belt. Yeah. Sword. Is it like when Jesus used it in the the de- the wilderness against mm. the devil? We're right there. Right? You, use it, you use it directly against the devil and the devil can do nothing because the word of God is so powerful against him that all he can do is run away. Literally. Beautiful. Michael? Uh, I don't know. Hebrews, 4 to 12, Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 comes to mind. Um, yeah, just the idea that the word of God is alive and it's sharper than any two-edged sword, and yeah, the idea it it, it divides truth from error, the soul and the spirit, and the intentions of the heart as well. I think yeah, that's that's what came to mind when I heard that as well. Yeah, I understand. When taking Daniel's um, example of Jesus in the wilderness, right? Jesus used the word to combat the devil's attack, right? But how is the word used? It's almost like... Daniel, what were you going to say? I was going to say it's almost like a reinforcement of what you already have. It's 
but it's almost it's an enhancement at the same time because by by physically speaking or reading the word of God, your mind is directly dwelt on that point. And obviously the devil can't do anything when your mind is focused on that. Uh, can I say something? Yeah, go ahead. Um, I'm thinking if you've got all this armor, if you're protected, like what do you need a weapon for? And maybe it's for the people who don't have that armor on them, you know, like, so Jesus, through speaking, was able to cast out demons, so literally used as a weapon to attack them. So maybe it's for the benefit of other people and not just yourself. That's a really good point, actually. Now, the word... The word is a sword, right? Why is this? In what context is the word a sword, right? The the Bible has um has several words for it in the Greek, right? Um, I don't want to list them all now, but to say there is a, there's one of the actual book, right? So the Bible is a book. There's one in terms of the meaning of the words in the book. So the 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 um the meaning of the text, the expanding on the text, understanding the text, there's a word for that. And then there's a word for it being spoken, right? This, when, when it's talking about in the, in the, um, in the armor of God's um, context, it's talking about it being spoken. And this is why I like Daniel's example of, of um, Jesus in the wilderness. Because the Bible itself has authority because it is the word of God, right? Mm -hmm. So when when we speak the Bible, especially when it comes to the promises of God, Mm. it has authority. So when we see um, a a, a text like um, 1 Corinthians 10 verse... Let me find it. Daniel um, did this. Daniel um, Manji did this not too long ago. Um, 10 verse 13, where it says, No temptation have taken you, such is not common to man. But um, God is faithful for whoever shall, um, who will not suffer you to be tempted above you are able, but t- the temptation also will make a way for escape. You shall bear it, right? If you take that as a promise and declare that in the situation where you're being tempted, it has authority. Right? So this is not just a reading the Bible, understanding a story, great. This is now using the word which God has given us to have an authority against spiritual wickedness. So more so, we need to look at the Bible as an actual, uh, as it says, Michael said in Hebrews, it's living. So for for me, I don't use the Bible enough in that context. When I'm struggling with something, I don't just start quoting scripture. But I should, because that's where the power is. Yeah. It has authority, it has power, understand. It's your sword. 
when when a when a when a warrior is in trouble, he doesn't put down his sword. Picks it up. Why the warrior would put down his sword is probably because he doesn't realize the power it has. That is mad because obviously, if we're struggling, <laughs> who, when they're struggling in the scene, especially one that is there attached to and they love, like, who is going to actually go and pick up that Bible? And this is that thing of like, you know, we've become so accustomed to like fighting this battle on our own and in our own strength, even to the point where we will go and we'll say, we'll kind of like recite like it's some type of personal mantra, this whole thing of like, you know, God can help us overcome or I can overcome. That's what it usually ends up being. And then we go to work trying to fight it in our own strength and we might like stem the tide for a bit, but you'll be back. You know, that's how that's how sin works. But this whole thing of like actually picking up your Bible and combat it with, combating it with, with God, that's, that's juicy. Right? But it's also something that you can't be in your feelings about. The reason I say that is because like, if we give heed to our emotions while we're tempted and all of this, then we're just going to go ahead doing what we're doing. But for us to actually understand you know, not even think about it too much and actually just understand, Lord, now I need you. Let me get down on my knees or let me pick up my Bible. This is that proactive um, kind of like action that God wants to see. Um, where we just give it over to him. But for us to give things to him, we have to kind of like remember, remember that he's there and so, so often we forget. Yeah. Is there any other points on the word before we, we wrap up? Michael? Uh, yeah, I was going to say, like, there's times in my life where I realise why I wonder why I just kind of decided to do my own thing instead of just go to the Bible. It's just, and then it just came, I came to realisation, it's just the idea that I just simply didn't read it enough. And the same way, like, a person with a sword is only as good as how long they train with it, I guess. And mm. it's, it's, it's the same thing with the word of God. Like there are so many promises in there, which I could have turned to in my time of need, but I didn't. And yeah, that's cause I didn't, I wasn't reading it enough. It, it was there. I had the time, but I didn't, I was invested in other things. So yeah, it's just the idea that like the sword of the spirit, it's something that also you have to be trained in as well. And mm -hmm. it's something that you have to be familiar with also. For sure. Any other points? Okay, so just... Um... Just to wrap up, because I know there's um, a wine minute as well, so I don't really want to run over. Um, this was really as me trying to give you some practical um, advice on the stories that we just gave, right? 
it's easy to look at those stories and be like, yeah, well, you know, that's about demon possession. When have I ever been in a situation where, you know, I've had to deal with demon possession, right? But these are real practical things that we should all be practicing in our daily lives so that when spiritual things come, temptation, things that we cannot overcome by ourselves, these are the practical things we need in order to overcome by the power of Jesus. When we look at Paul and people say his handkerchief was getting passed around and casting out demons, it's because Paul was living out these things daily. Daily, right? This is where the power comes from. Truth, righteousness, peace, faith, salvation, and the words. All on, on verse 18, it says, praying always. So all of these things come through prayer. So, so this week almost, let's maybe take a, take some time just to read through this a couple of times and be like, this should now be my focus. Am I, do I have the truth and am I living my truth? Mm. Am I peaceful in, in hard situations? Do I have righteousness because of the truth I know? Am I seeking repentance for my sins? Am I day by day living out, letting God put things in my life, having faith so God can work in my life day by day, building up my faith? Am I thinking of salvation when I'm down? And am I using the word as a living thing? something that can help me when I'm in trouble. But yeah, let's, um, let's pray to close. Um, Daniel, could you, could you pray to close, please? All right, let's pray. Father God, we come before you now just to ask, for your, your knowledge and your wisdom to be imparted to us on the things that we've studied. I ask that you will help us to find ways to apply them directly to our lives and that you will show us how we can have a better and deeper connection with you. This is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Until next week, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.